It's that time again. Uh, it's Poems and Whiskey. If you're new here, well, uh, hello. Uh, I'm Michael, and uh, tonight I have Ali. Tell us who you are. Hi, um, I'm Alejandro. I go by Ale. I kind of dabble in a lot of different kinds of creativity, but poetry and multimedia visual art are kind of my main shticks. Splatjunction.com is kind of where I have all of my visual art condensed, I said, I suppose. Yeah. And I have Oxblood Junction as my Twitter and Instagram as well. I've kind of just smushed everything into that one. Yeah, that's name. good. That's that's smart. I have uh I have two and I'm only fair at keeping up with one of them. So uh whoops. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh no, it's fine. I I can barely keep up with social media as it is. Oh, exhausting it's just a constant wave yeah i i uh when when things get hectic i kind of go down to one and if things get really bad there's nothing i just shut it all down but um Felt. twitter yeah twitter is loud recently and i'm like uh i will be there eventually guys but you're it's very loud right now i'll just yeah, read for me it kind of comes in waves i will twitter myself to death get sick of it because there's just so much all the time yes. whether that be just an influx of devastating information because you know trans and disabled or just it's, ha- it's such a moment isn't it it's a very particular talk tra- drama yeah. what should I almost call trauma which you know fair fair enough to be honest <laughs> Oh yeah, it's been an interesting uh it's been an interesting first few weeks of June. It's like happy pride and then you just get hit by like 20 flaming curveballs and told to just deal with it and smile. Yeah. You know, at least I would say at least I mean they're more honest about it now, I guess. No, honesty is the best policy, I suppose. At least you can see <laughs> what they actually mean. I'm so yeah. autistic, like just just tell me you hate me and we can just get it over with and I can right. go on my we way. We can move on, right? Please. Yeah. Direct communication. Uh, needs to be the norm. Um, pretty, pretty please. I'm so tired of talking in <laughs> meaningless circles. Anyway, I mean, not this show. This show is uh, my, my particular little sphere of meaningless circles. It's mine, and therefore uh, more legitimate to me. I mean, I'm of the opinion of creativity is never meaningless. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, see, you have to go and be genuine while I'm being glib. It makes me look like an asshole. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. I'm, I'm, no, it just means I'm the asshole. <laughs> you look like the asshole because we're both assholes. We're having an asshole competition. Fantastic. Okay. Let's just spread the cheeks and get it done with, okay? <laughs> Is that inappropriate? What? Can I say that on the podcast? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, the last few, the last, okay, so I'm editing uh, right now from like a month back, right? Uh, I'm I'm a very slow to edit, and this has been an interesting couple of months. But um, the last couple of edit, uh, um, episodes that I've been editing, it's nonstop Astroglide jokes. I I'm so sorry for the people who have. <laughs> you know what? No, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. You're fucking welcome, Astroglide. By some. Never go in dry. You just need a sponsorship and you'll be fine. <laughs> I, uh, they've been uh, they've been notified and have replied on the podcast page a couple times um, because apparently now this is a theme that's reoccurring in my show. Um, I'm good with it though. I'm good with it. <laughs> Glide Glide with poems and whiskey podcast. <laughs> oh. 
I need one to... with pride. Yes, with pride. This is a surprisingly queer podcast, too. I hadn't set out to do that, like, intentionally. I don't know how it could have been not queer. I mean, <laughs> but it, I, it, it wasn't an intention. And then um, we're just all here, and it's kind of great. It is good, though. I feel like queer people kind of attract other queer people. It just has, like, some sort of sense of, like, you over there. I have vibes. You have vibes. Let's go have vibes together. (laughs) Do you have intense mother issues and abandonment trauma? Come here. Come here. Who doesn't? Who doesn't these days? (laughs) We all belong in therapy. It's affordable. Yeah. Right. Right. I was in. uh, I was in therapy for a while, and um, it was great. Actually, I had a really. It was a really, really good time. Uh, I can blame, and everybody else can blame. I haven't mentioned this in a, in a couple episodes, but this podcast on my therapist because um, it was something I used to do uh, by myself. I'd get, I'd get toasted, and I'd read poetry, and I'd live react to the poetry that I was reading on Twitter. Just I mean, to fuck around. Content, though. Thank you. I thought so. I thought I was being incredibly funny. Um, and I was having a damn good time. And of course, by the end of it, I'm just a sobbing, gross mess of reading all through this shit and drinking at the same time. It was uh, choices were made. And um, I was telling my therapist about it because it's just a thing that I would do on Fridays. She's like, that sounds like an interesting idea for a podcast. I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Whoops. Thanks, Jennifer. My hand slipped. <laughs> was it all the astroglide? It was all the astroglide. It definitely was. Uh, so, I really enjoy your photography, but I haven't actually read a whole lot of of what you've written, um, and that's uh, that's my bad. Um, but um, the irony how... is that I don't have a whole lot posted. Okay, be because fair. good. All right, because I do. I, I promise I go through and I look at people's shit and I try to at least, you know, familiarize myself. And I've seen a lot of your poetry and I'm like, okay. I mean, a lot of your, um, a lot of your photographs, which are awesome. And I'm like, okay. And then, oh, you're welcome. And, uh, I was like, shit, wait, have I read anything? And no, no, I haven't. Um, and I'm deeply embarrassed by that, but we're honest here at Bones and Whiskey. (laughs) We're honest about our flaws. a really significant dissociative disorder so there's a good chance like memories will happen and they just kind of float away and i'm just like oh bye i liked that one but like all right i'll take all the damaging ones instead so like it's fine i'm not offended okay good <laughs> when i say i can't remember what i ate for lunch yesterday i mean it like i'll lose time for weeks at a time it's fine oh no the lead into that question uh before i threw out a tangent was that um how long um like have you always done art and poetry and and visual media or is it something fairly new like what was the transition so i've always really love um really love really loved i can i can words um drawing and writing it's kind of just been a thing throughout my entire life my mom would like read to me even when i was a baby so that's awesome kind of just saw it coming so to speak (laughs) i remember um in kindergarten, I was like literally obsessed with Black Beauty, so I Ooh. drew and like rewrote it because I didn't like some parts of it. <laughs> that's this little small child just being like, I can do it better. Baby's <laughs> first transformative fiction. <laughs> Love it. Baby's first Black Beauty fan fiction. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I was fantastic. Scribbled on these big things of paper and wrote in all these little 
my little crappy handwriting and just <laughs> presented it to the teacher and she's like well good it wasn't, it wasn't. no well okay. no but i'm sure it was i'm sure i'm sure she could see that it, you know there was love and intent behind it there I think was that's, even I think though that the horse's legs were like in the totally wrong direction it, it was fine hey. you know what so okay but horses legs are weird to they to are fair, they are very strange they're just they're you they're fingers they're they're yes. just giant fingers it is so bizarre okay oh. but like i like rode for most of my life until i got too disabled Mm. and like for something that can go so fast and can literally like bite your hand off quite literally (laughs) they are the most fragile useless little things i love them so much but they sneeze and they break an ankle or blow a tendon and it's all over you're just like oh stall rest for eight months okay it's fine i mean that's, that's some brilliant design work on on those horses man when did you start going like in a direction of poetry? Like, was there a specific moment, or is it something that um, I don't know that that just because mine mine showed up like I guess quote lateish like in my twenties, but I'd never really focused on poetry. It was always narrative sort of stuff before that. Yeah. So, did you always do poetry, or I was very much like the problematic fan fiction slash fiction child that would write Uh these horrific things and everyone would be like oh you're just so creative and it was trauma it was fine but um i think the stereotypical answer would be like i started to get into poetry in middle school oh no that's (laughs) Um, fine like well i mean middle school is that time frame where you're starting to like really figure shit out you know and (laughs) typically alone and dramatically so yeah that makes sense yeah my first foray into like getting a poem like published was kind of traumatic (laughs) as the sixth grade often (laughs) is um i was in honors and of course the undiagnosed adhd gremlin and so are a bunch of other kids in the honors courses but um i'm just gonna name drop her because like it's been ages but miss rossi just hated anyone that kind of already knew what they were doing and i was already reading at that point like you know the hyperlexic thing of like yeah. college level so yeah 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 i would literally just take the little handbook that we were supposed to work on through the week finish it in like an hour and then just pull out books and like flip it or like write and there was this little writing contest for poetry and fiction and i wrote a little poem about horses no surprise i'm like she was like, you know, it's like an open call, so like any of you can submit, but then she refused to submit my work. So <sighs> I'm mad about it, and so are my parents, but I um I tattled on her to my math teacher of all people, like just crying and being like, This sucks. Yeah, like I really fuck. wanted to, I worked really hard on this. This is awful. And so my math teacher submitted it. And um, Oh, fuck yeah, math teacher! Miss Miss Sullivan, she was excellent. Miss Sullivan! Bless you, Miss Sullivan. It all together. Oh, um, and then, you know, my work got submitted and I got top honors. So, of course, then Miss oh, Rossi yes. was pissed. Fuck you, Miss Rossi. She take credit for it. She tried to take credit for it. Of and course Ms. she Sullivan did. wouldn't stand for it. But, um. Miss <sighs> Sullivan. And we all should have had a Miss Sullivan. Was so good. I had, uh. I was lucky. I, yeah. Oh, I had, uh, I had, I had my own, uh, Miss Rossi. I can't remember her name now. Maybe Johnson. My memory's for shit. So, ha! <laughs> um, Swiss cheese up there. Um, but I had done this uh, charcoal drawing of Martin Luther King. And oh, cool. I thought so. I worked really fucking hard on that. And uh, 
my my mother had shown me how to um, use a, an eraser to make highlights, right? But like everything else was like my own figuring out of how to fucking do this, right? And uh, so I gave it to her to submit to this contest because that's what you do in grade school. And uh, she refused to submit it because she thought my mother had done it. And I don't know. I don't know the video. Right. Like I like on the one hand, I mean, she thought my mother had done it. On the other hand, fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. I I don't remember the resolution to that. So eh. (laughs) just recreate the entire piece in front of her and just be like, fuck you, you asshole. I can just do it again. (laughs) Oh, see that year. That year sucked. That year really sucked. So I'm not surprised that like that that year was like big trauma year. That I only recently realized, like in therapy, that I never referred to my own age during that year. It was always in fourth grade. I was so like oh, no. removed, so removed from the whole fucking process that uh, I couldn't even like refer to myself in the time frame. Like awesome. It's just that weird dissociativeness where, like, it doesn't feel like it's you, but, like, you're like, you know, it feels like a moving picture in which I was vaguely manifesting right outside of it. Yeah, I had, uh, I had a, had a moment, uh, like, PTSD dreams, right? And uh, you wake up and you're already uh, outside of your body, right? And I had a. Oh, I hate yeah, that. Yeah, I had. I, I had that. Um, I think maybe it was Tuesday. Uh, I I lost a whole fucking day to just trying to stay grounded, and then the recovery after that. And uh, I was a whole fucking day behind. Whole fucking day behind. I thought um, yesterday was Wednesday, and I realized it was it was oh, it was a mess, a whole fucking mess. Yes, exactly. The whole like bizarre dissociative crap what's weird and it's what sucks is i feel like some of my best writing is when i'm at my most severe dissociative wise and i'll look at it and be like i don't know what part of me wrote this but it did and this this tracks this sounds like something i'd write yeah yeah But then i don't really remember doing it so i'm like well that sucks i don't have the memory (laughs) of it like fuck makes makes for good makes for good creative work it's fine if i can't capitalize off my trauma then what's the point oh fuck so to bounce off that joke what do you think about that to do any of that you have to be like you have to be traumatized you have to be working from that place of pain constantly and i i know i don't know if i always uh work from that mm. place for me you know like when i'm at my most uh like in the shit i can't really write in anything that's kind of the kind of the problem yeah you know like it's not there i'm I'm not there. I think a lot of it for me is that I was in survival mode for so long that I got so used to, like, having to create some sort of output of something whilst feeling like the world was ending that, like, now that I'm in a safe space without so much going on that it can be, like, I'll swing from being like, oh, this is great, I have so much energy to it feels like the world is ending because it's so calm. Uh-huh. And so I'm kind of like ping-ponging back and forth and like talking to my therapist about it and the whole finding out I have rheumatoid and a bunch of other crap like yeah, it's kind of more so working around like for one like how much time do I have for two it's a lot of emotional energy to create so a lot of the times I'll be working on older stuff or like re-editing uh-huh. yeah. but I don't think it's 
necessarily true that you have to be traumatized to create something meaningful. I think that's a load of crap, to be honest. There's plenty of people in the world that can make things and have had perfectly happy lives and still create something beautiful or meaningful. I think it's more so. Yeah. Where's your critical thinking at? <laughs> like, what sort of what, are, what sort of thought are you putting into your piece? Like, what sort of effort and energy? Yes. Not that you need to put a massive amount of effort into something or a massive amount of time for it to be meaningful or right, 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 impressive or even just it makes you happy. I don't think you necessarily have to make something. Yeah majestic and perfect every time for it to have value because i think it inherently does i think so too why poetry for you why not um i don't know why not why not focus more on on narrative stuff why specifically poetry what is it that makes it that's why what you create so it kind of ties back to the disability thing but um Mm -hmm. where i'm so dissociative and i'll get off on my little ADHD like tangents and then put like a massive amount of effort into something and then just leave it for dead <laughs> trying to create like you know the America's next best novel or whatever like right. boomer joke I could make right. like right. doesn't really work for me I have always like enjoyed writing whether that be narrative or poetry but a lot of my stuff is a lot more like condensed and concise and like yes I could do novella but that's still like a lot yeah, of, yeah, like yeah. poems are like a time sink too yeah. But I can, like, be like, okay, I have the spoons to do this. I have the motivation. And I can, you know, take 30 minutes an hour and have something from start to finish and be like, you know, it's crap, but it's a start. And I feel like I can see the end in sight versus I get 20K into something and get so lost in the muddy details yeah, that I feel like it's pointless. And then it just yeah. sits in my hard drive forever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So a lot of it is like accessibility. Um, I find poems to be a lot more accessible in general, which is ironic because when I was younger, I thought they were the least accessible thing in the world because, oh. you know, high school teachers love to beat you over the head with every rhyme pattern ever. Mm, yeah. <laughs> My auditory processing, like, you know, people that can write poems that rhyme and sound beautiful, like, good for you, but it's not my thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't want to sound like an ass, but it's just, no, it's just no, not no, my no. preference, you know? I, I, it's not like, it's not mine either. Um, I get my that. high school teacher tried to make us all write, try to write an iambic pentameter, and I wanted to die. <sighs> I was just like, please yeah. make it stop. My auditory I... processing just could not. <laughs> She's like, do you hear it? I'm like, no. no. no I <laughs> I'm just throwing shit at this piece of paper and hoping it sticks. Right? Please pass me. I'm sorry. I can't count like that. Like, <laughs> My learning disabilities say hell no. Um, <laughs> I enjoy like sometimes like half rhyme or like slant rhyme, I guess. Like that can sound really nice. And that can yeah, like yeah, yeah. have something that i can really enjoy but like poetry in general that focuses like hardcore on like rhyming and rhyme schemes i just it sends me back to high school and the iambic pentameter poems she was trying to make us write and i'm just like out the door yep 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 gotta run gotta go like um i'm kind of doing this uh i i'll i'll buy whatever collection of poetry that i can get my little greedy paws on um and a lot of it's like I'm kind of playing catch up a little bit because poetry wasn't really a focus of uh, my creative anything until very recently. So I feel like I'm having to catch up not on just what's existed, but like 
all the years that I missed <laughs> in between, right? You. So um, I've got a really uh, large swing between um, what I'm reading. Like uh, I picked up uh, Langston Hughes and I picked up, um, hold on, I got a bag of shit. Langston Hughes and Ann Carson and fucking Allen Ginsberg and just and then a whole bunch of modern ones that have shorter collections because they're newer. Thank you. Um, that I keep in like a, a stack over here in the corner. Um, but it's some of the older stuff is is more difficult for me to read seriously, even if the subject yeah. is serious, because there's that that pattern to it, and I can't help to to hear it in a kind of a sing-song way i end up um like saying it out loud to myself to try to actually hear it because it it's kind of kind of mixed up a little bit a little hard to yeah right so yeah it's a little harder for me to get through on that end i think for me like the poetry stuff like i was always kind of like writing in the back but i never really showed anyone my stuff because it's one of those Uh, things of like yeah poetry for me has always felt more vulnerable yeah yeah because my poetry like a lot of my like stories that i wrote as a teenager like you know a lot of it drew from my own trauma or like my hyperfixations or special interests but like (laughs) poetry has always been like super personal and things that have happened in my life and that can be scary to show people yeah but um I ended up switching majors in like 2018 because um, I was like three fourths of the way through uh, a bachelor's in like museums, museum and photographic studies. And um, my health was getting worse and worse. And a lot of the electives, Mm. they were just like, we just, it's not reasonable to accommodate you. No, fuck that. So, yeah, whatever. (laughs) It was said nicer, but it was basically just like, it was still still essentially fuck you for like existing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. And that was it was a lot of like stuff too there were a lot of pupils that thought i was just kind of faking it for attention or whatever i remember um validity which i do have on my website like one of the like the big photo for it yeah i was working on a collection of photos from that and it had poems too um that i kind of overlaid over the photographs and that was kind of my first like cohesive work that combined both but i remembered um presenting that and finding out like right before I presented that um one of the uh, students she never really enjoyed me because mm. I'm very crass I'm uh-huh. I, blunt I, I, I'm I get you. Yeah. not very Jesus-y and um, <laughs> he didn't like any of that um, <laughs> the and, you know, it's, you. it's fine yeah <laughs> fine like you don't have to like me for not you know falling into that typical stereotype right but right, right. um she basically said that my work was she basically said my work had no value because Holy it was just fuck. taking photos around my house and it took no actual effort or energy. And I'm just like, I find what that ironic. Con- I found it ironic considering her um, work was a bunch of Polaroids that she took walking around the beach talking about her dead twin. Like, you can process that trauma and it's fine to take your low energy, like, little Polaroid snapshots. But, like, because it's at my house, like, have yeah. you never met someone that, like, has chronic pain issues before like i still have to like deal with exposure and lighting and color and saturation and setting things up like you're still using why does it matter skill. what does it matter like come on fuck her what's funny is i found this out right before my um the final like thing so i actually tied some of that in too oh. so um i never name dropped her but i embarrassed her and she apologized afterwards holy shit <laughs> 
I still don't forgive her, and I don't think I ever will because um, I don't think I'm that was kind of like Mm-mm. the point in which I reached like I don't know. I realized that things were getting worse for me physically, and I was like still right. trying to really hold on to like. I don't want to give up on my dreams. I don't want to give up right. on my goals, but right. like I could feel it all slipping and then like finding out something like that. Right. Right. And it's right. Like, right. It's like, I feel like that level of cruelty, like I, I'll be petty. It's fine. Be petty. This is not a, you must forgive you, you know, the assholes no, in your life. I don't place. This is not- I don't believe in any of that. There are some things I find kind of unforgivable. And honestly, she never really put in the work to make it forgivable. So oh, I very just much like after a, that was like, right. Thanks for the apology. Stay away from me. Yep. It was yeah. really yeah. microaggressive and weird, and I haven't really seen or heard from her in years, thank God. But, um, I mean, I got an A, so I must have been doing something right. <laughs> I still have the letter from the professor saying that, like, you know, I needed to put, like, I needed to fix some things, but, like, it had a lot of potential. So, like, I took that more as, like, I'm on the right path, even if I'm too crippled to get it done in right full semester. <laughs> like... It's still on the back burner. I want to finish it someday, but I feel like it's going to be more of a um, through the years thing and not just through the semester because I feel like there's yeah. a lot that could be processed with like photography and poetry and disability. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Because like validity itself was, you know, it's in the title. Like I was exploring like what is valid in academia if you are disabled. What can you create and present that? people will find to be valid and useful and worth putting on a wall so that was a lot of like you get to take a glimpse into my life and like what is my life worth to you a stranger you know but it's more so to make you know people think because so many people when they look at someone that's disabled in any way especially like a lot of mine are invisible illnesses like so validity always comes into question like are your diagnoses valid are um you as a person valid are you lying you must be lying because i can't see you suffering Uh uh-huh like and it's like that's the point of the mask bestie (laughs) because if i told you how miserable i felt every day you'd hate me on pure principle so when you ask me how i'm doing i say living the dream you know i'm not okay but you don't ask because Mm -hmm. that's the cultural code if you say that you know things aren't great you move on like oh living the dream it's It's fine the amount of time it took me to figure out people weren't actually asking how I was doing, that it was just a, oh a little gosh, social yes. cushion where, you, where you're just like, like acknowledgement that you are in the same room, not a serious question. So, okay, uh, I'm fine. I, guess. I mean, I even last night, I just found out through TikTok and my partner that like when people say, oh, look, look at me with your eyes they don't mean like stare directly into my retinas they just want to feel perceived in that general area and i was like what yeah Yeah. so you mean all this time when people are getting pissed at me for not looking at them like they're mad at me because i'm staring directly into their eyeballs if they correct me why do you have to micromanage how i look at you or what i'm doing like i'm listening i was just i was just fucking thinking about the um the way we pathologize fucking human things to like to infantilize a person the whole eye contact thing or like stimming but you only call it stimming when it's somebody who's um you know somewhere on the spectrum like everybody does something something it's you on the inside of your cheek or you know tap 
you know, jiggle your leg, cap your pencil, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we only call that shit stimming when we're looking at it through the lens of disability. I think the infantilization just makes it easier for them to process their own discomfort without Mm. true regard to how that affects other people. Fucking right. You know, I'm used to being infantilized to a degree because I've always had a harder time speaking and sounding intelligent. I'll think of a thousand things to say and then not get to say it because I don't know when to like when my cue is when I'm allowed to talk because of the auditory right. processing and then people look at me like oh my god you just interrupted them they're so fucking rude it's just like no I'm sorry please just finish what you're saying I was just excited and like it's hard for me to tell and it's like no you're making excuses you're awful you don't care what anyone has to say and it's like okay I don't hang with people like that anymore <laughs> my social circle is small for a reason um, yeah. I keep my peace Good. and I used to feel very overwhelmingly pressured to fit into like academics and the creative sphere, so to speak. And I just, I would rather have a small group of weirdos that can put up with my idiosyncrasies than be in a pod of 50 people where 99% of them may look at them like, oh, you poor thing, or oh, you must be lying, or oh my god, the little baby can't like talk right now, or they're stuttering, or like, oh, little baby can't like keep up with the conversation. Like, right, right, right. I can. On Twitter, and I know I talk about social media a lot, folks, but you know what? That's that's also uh, my window into the world, so you get it too. Um, I've noticed there's a very interesting um, divide between the academic side of the the writing creating sphere and the um, yeah. we'll say indie side of the creative writing sphere, and um, I don't know. I'm currently I'm just observing. I'm just observing that there is there is a difference. And um, it is not comfortable to. <laughs> to it's it. not, especially when like, you know, I've always towed the line between like indie and academia. I find indie to be a lot more accessible. I find a lot more of those people relatable. But then, right, you know, I've met some of my favorite poets through academia. I would got to go to the Frost Place Conference in Poetry in 2019, oh, that's just awesome. because like I responded to a mixed Calvacros. Calvacaresi like talking about it on Twitter and just being like damn I wish I could go I wish I could afford it like this mm-hmm. sounds really cool and um Professor Calvacaresi was just like DM me and oh, made it happen after reading my shit and I was like oh my god <laughs> what's going on <laughs> and then I was there and I couldn't believe it was happening but it did and, like I'm cool. forever grateful that was a moment that kind of solidified poetry for me as like, wow, this can be really life changing. And like, I already knew poetry was, but I was kind of at a point where I was doing like my online, like creative writing degree and kind of questioning, like I switched to this major because I love writing, but like, what am I going to do? Right. And then I didn't really see the value in my work, especially I I don't think I ever have seen value in my work, which is (laughs) funny because I give everyone the exact opposite energy besides me and that's on trauma hey it's like so weird to have someone that's like really established and successful and like an amazing queer poet just be like oh this has potential yeah come here <laughs> here's like here's a scholar like here's a scholarship it's like what do you mean here's a scholarship i didn't even <laughs> expect a response i was just like this is neat just about like craft a brick oh that's really cool so that was a uh like a a huge like shift in in the way you approached your own shit too 
I definitely took my poetry more seriously. Yeah. After that, I hadn't really been, you know, I've had like my journalism published and like the college papers in the past and like it's definitely like getting to meet all of these amazing successful poets and like hear them like speak about like poetry as a craft and like hear them orate their own work was honestly I really needed it because I felt yeah. really lost. I was just coming out to my parents just out of the closet in like my early to mid 20s and my submissions were all about queerness and transness so it was really affirming it felt like I was on the right path when like I had been closeted to some degree like socially like my entire life up to that point right 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 wow that's really phenomenal I I owe like Professor Calvacaresi and like um Oliver Bendorf is like one of my favorite poets of all times Mm -hmm. I ended up being with, like, his little group of students for him to, like, go over our work and, like, talk about things and do, like, lessons and things like that. And I, like, heavily, like, would not have gotten, like, Exit Wounds published if it wasn't for, like, Oliver, like, going over my work and, like, helping me figure things out. That's really fantastic to have someone, like, take you in hand or under wing or... It still feels like a weird dream that I'm still like, this doesn't feel like it's real because I'm so used to things like going to crap. But that whole week was just amazing. I took photos when like we all went to the barber shop and um, Professor Calvacaresi and Professor Bendorf like talked poetry crap while they were getting um, shaved at the barber. And it was very queer and like magical and like I still have the photos all over my Facebook like oh that is really cool I would love to see those that is really I'm happy to share them awesome it's just surreal still it doesn't it still doesn't feel real and then I got to meet like amazing people like Dr. Han Vanderhart who let me help out a little with Moist oh yeah 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 and we kind of reconnected more so recently because I just started reaching out to people like when I was dealing with like my ex spouse um kind of leaving that person and realizing it was a very abusive situation like i lost all contact with everyone that was like creative for like years so i was just like i don't know who i can like like go back to and be like hi i still exist like i survived (laughs) this like horrible situation but like i still care about poetry and your work like right dr vanderhart was incredibly understanding they're like an amazing person and so talented and creative they're on so, my like, list. I have <laughs> my very, very long, very, very long list. <laughs> I have a very good, hefty list of people in the poetry community <laughs> that I'm like incredibly grateful for because I don't think I would be alive without some of those interactions. Right. Just getting to be around like other trans poets was in that moment where my parents were very much like upset shocked angry whatever they were feeling (laughs) and having everything come into question that i had already known about since i was a small child like you know like right right getting to be around other trans people other than like my ex was formative too and really informs my work i think now yeah i mean it's one of those things of like i will write a a lot of poetry to process trauma but then like getting to see like work about like love and care and like wilderness and healing like these topics come up a lot and like professor calvacaresi's work and professor bendorf's so it kind of encouraged me over the years it took time because you know 
it's the I'm traumatized and autistic, so I cling to what I know. But right, right, I've right. written more about like love and relationship and caring lately, um, mm. and kink because <laughs> it kind of goes hand in hand being in like a twenty four seven dynamic. Right. But um, being in a place of like that healing, whether that be generative or just like per- like totally personal, and being like I could try to write something that's you know bittersweet or even happy. <laughs> I can do it. And I I think I have to credit a lot of the um especially like the trans poets that I've read. Yeah. For making me feel like I could be brave enough to write about something happy, which is funny because a lot I don't think a lot of people think like, oh, you have to be brave to write something happy. Mm. Mm. <laughs> but for me it's That's always been point. that weird opposite. Of, That's like, a good point. You can ask me any sordid, like, inappropriate question about my past, and I will air that dirty laundry. Like, I'll just, like, mm, here's this fucking shirt. Like, take it. <laughs> like, I will give you all the dirty, nasty details. But then, like, you ask me about, like, oh, happy memories? Joy? When did you feel affirmed? And, like, all of a sudden, I clam up for just have to think about it for a good 30 seconds. I mean, same, though. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you (laughs) my memory, like for happy, I don't know if it's just inordinately crappy stuff. I only remember, but like happy stuff. I don't have a long list. Uh, that list has started recently. (laughs) I hope it's going to be at least a neutral memory. (laughs) This, oh no, this is going to be a good one. This is going to be a good one. Every, every show I've had, uh, has, has been a good one. Actually this, um, just talking to other people who know what the words mean that I'm talking about um, or right? had the same had the same um, bizarre wonderings or or even partial similar past and just creating in general that that action of creating um, and knowing what I'm talking about has been uh, incredible and that's I mean that's due to, to all the people who have come on, I, I I've said it before, but I don't know how I'm gonna like even this out. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I'm I feel like I'm getting so much more than uh, than what I'm providing, and um, I don't know. I just uh, I'm really grateful. I have run out of words, aside from great, apparently. But <laughs> okay. Sometimes words just stop happening, and like you just have to like you know say them uh, a few a few thousand times. Say the same a few yep. thousand times, like. Yep. At least, at least we can pick out like fun words to say over and over, you know, <laughs> like Astro Glider, like, like Astro Pupernickel. Ooh, Pupernickel. Every once in a while, a word will stick with me, and I'll be saying that word, oh, all day long, and eventually it'll end up in a poem. I guarantee it. Now I want to write a poem about bread, which is ironic Ooh. considering I have a wheat allergy. Hmm. It could be gluten-free bread. It could be, but the gluten-free bread never hits as hard as like the gluteny bread it really doesn't it really it's doesn't like even like some of the better brands i've tried i'm like it's so dry there yeah. has to be a better way and that doesn't like mean that i'm combining like three different kinds of fucking gluten-free flour oh too some fairy dust <laughs> the wish of a small child <laughs> yeah yeah the hopes and dreams that were like thrown against the wall and shattered just yeah. a little well, that would be an, that. that 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 sounds like it's definitely that sounds like it's definitely an ingredient in gluten free bread. Shattered dreams. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! 
we talked a little bit about like trauma being something that we write from, but on, on with a bigger umbrella, like what what's your relationship with inspiration? Um, and to, to push on that, like, what do you think inspiration is? And is it at all different from motivation? I think inspiration and motivation can coincide, but aren't necessarily the same thing. Yeah. I can feel inspired to write something by something I see or hear. But if I don't have the spoons, it's not happening. Right. It doesn't matter how strong the urge is. If I am so sick, I can't even like lift my head without wanting to throw up. I'm not doing it. Right. 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 <laughs> like, I'm not going to be motivated in that moment. Like, I might like, you know, jot down the idea and hope it sticks for later. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The things that inspire me are oftentimes, you know weird or like kind of just rooted in like things that ping my brain of things that have happened in the past. Yeah. Sometimes emotional flashbacks, but like mm-hmm. not not always. Um I mean for me like even creating like where I study photography and visual art for so long, I'll be like, oh the light hits this really cool and it makes me think of this thing which like coincides with this thing and oh I could add that in somewhere and that would sound maybe okay. Right, right. So it's like I think it's the very like I don't know. I always yeah, feel like I'm weird, in a weird right? crossroad like, with like inspiration because it's never just set in like oh I read this thing or like whatever because it's always inspired by like multiple things because I can never yeah, have my hand yeah. in just one pot. It's not satisfying to me. I need my yeah. hand in multiple pots at the same time, or it's just not as fun. Yeah, yeah. I um I recently uh <laughs> I combined these two like. <sighs> I find these two things and then there's like this bizarre connection to them somehow in my brain and I'll make a I'll, I'll make a poem out of it. Like I, I, I did one that was comparing uh, lightning strike to to love, but also to gambling. And it's just like a weird. I mean, it works. Life well, makes sense when you see it all put together. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a horse. Y- yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes, like a horse. Poetry is a horse. Poetry is a horse. Oh, I love that. I love that. Because the fucking sneeze can take it out. (laughs) Oh Oh my god. Kind of looping back to inspiration, I think a lot of it these days is like heavily informed by like kink and my dynamic. It's like one of those things I didn't really necessarily feel like I could explore when like I lived back with my parents or like in Georgia with my ex-partner. Like we just didn't I guess we didn't vibe in the end. <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. Like, I'm fully you divorced, so I can to. say what I want. You don't have but to. Like, you can say whatever the fuck you want. You know, I hope they heal but far away from me. Uh, type deal. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the past is the past, but the past hurts like a bitch. So I'm very lucky that my boy is, like, incredibly supportive and kind and, like, one of the most dedicated people I've ever met to, like, their own craft and, like, have been trying to make life better they're amazing and like a huge source of inspiration for me now because they inspire me to actually feel more motivated to create and like have motivated me to be even more like I need to heal from the past so I can look forward to the future. Yeah. Which is, you know, getting diagnosed with like a bunch of illnesses in the past like year has been like hammering away like Ehlers-Danlos, rheumatoid, like whatever weird thing the hospital told me I have going on with my kidneys. Um, so the fact that I can even envision a future at all when, like, I've never been able to do that is oh. a good thing, I think, and informs 
yeah. a lot of my writing now, and I have them to thank for that, in a large part. I, I similarly, like, I didn't, um, until recently, I didn't have any sort of, um, hope for <laughs> a future. I couldn't Oof. really, I couldn't envision one. And it, when I was a kid, um, I actually didn't see myself, um, I guess, I guess mild trigger warning. If, if I, if I, I should, pro- I don't know. I don't know. Trigger warning, I guess. Just, mild trigger warning. Just, um, well, I mean, I need to be better at telling people what's in my fucking show so they don't get like that's fair hit up beside the head with a mallet right so um anyway mild uh trigger warning for suicidal ideation I guess um but as a kid I I did not expect to live beyond uh 19 uh yeah so like I uh, I couldn't see it I couldn't envision anything happening and this is when I'm like "Mm, I'm baby you know i have a very clear memory of like sitting in the bathtub and thinking um i cannot imagine beyond 19 so i don't know if i'm gonna even be around beyond 19 so yeah like and now here i am well beyond uh 19 and (laughs) and uh i i actually have a an idea of a direction to go in for a future well, and that's great. all it's 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 because the horrible relationship is over and i actually have an idea about who i am as a as a human being um i have goals what goals <laughs> the fuck I, i'm in part of this very fledgling um poetry uh discord group right which by the way if you'd that's like to fun. be in on it you're welcome if you're Please? interested, I need more poetry people in my life. Fantastic! I'll send you the link. Um, and uh, I, we were just chatting about shit and talking about how um, editors and curators and whatnot—people who take submissions for poetry—could uh, stand to be, you know, kind of kinder in their rejections. Sometimes. Oh, I agree. And um, that that their part that being having that kind of um neutral coolness or you know coming off as kind of cold or brash can um really ping fledgling poets and it they're part of making that culture kind of shitty so i was like ah wait till i start my own poetry review and i have so um, many thoughts (laughs) and then you um, have so many (laughs) We'll talk. And <laughs> we'll talk. Um, and I was like, well why, well, why don't I create my own poetry review? Wait a minute. What if I created my own poetry review? And um, so uh, maybe, I don't know, if y'all are hearing maybe the, the future of what's going to happen with poems and whiskey, um, stick around. Let's see what I can get done. But I'm actually thinking about something which is uh, pretty fucking cool. There might be a future. I might have a future. What the fuck? You do. I think you do. I am Thank looking you. respectfully. <laughs> you can look disrespectfully. I'll take that too. <laughs> Bet. <laughs> if it's not a mixture of respectful and disrespectful, if you're queer, then what's going on, really? Thank you. Exactly. Exactly. Please. I just. I have so many thoughts about like curatorial process in general, like learning a lot about it and like yeah how was that undergrad. like you're like I, like I had I had John um 
name drop. Uh, John Compton <laughs> on in the beginning. Oh my god! And oh, he, I love him. Um, but like, I didn't get really a chance to. We, we talked a little bit about uh, what he looks for in submissions and shit like that. But like, how was it for you? Like doing all of that? Like, mm, what, what happened? As much as you, as much as you want and can tell. Like, so how was it over the course of like? two degrees I've actually finished, the one I never did, and the one I'm working on now, like, I went from, like, you know, the college paper and, like, the journalism and basically, you know, very much being taught, like, there's no such thing as a neutral party, which blew my little, like, 17-year-old dual-enrolled mind. So I'm still of the opinion that, like, even in poetry and creativity, like, the curatorial process, there's no such thing as a neutral reviewer or, like, a neutral, like, judgment... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, like how? Privilege how informs everything. Yes, it absolutely does. And, um, you know, like the journalism really beat me down to the point that I almost never wrote again. Um, I was starting to get kind of sick at that point, so I'd ask for, like, to be able to cover things closer to home. Right. And um, I was able to do less and less because she just refused to give me the things close to home. She'd give them to the people that lived super far away. And I was like, well, this feels a little weird and targeted, but okay. Right. Okay. Um, but then she basically told me, like, you know, that I would never last in that industry and that my writing basically was nothing. Um, and I think I was like eighteen or nineteen at the time. And what? um I don't understand I do not understand that mindset. I don't. I don't. Like is it, is I don't it know. some I feel bizarre, like... like, cruel to be kind bullshit? Because um, that's a lie. There is not cruel to be kind. You, I don't know. I, mm, I don't know. Yeah. But I kind of um, gave up on the writing for a while because of that. Yeah. I kind of write in private and then not really touch it otherwise because yeah. it just was so soul-crushing to be told that the thing I've loved for so many years and, like, clung to through, like, <sighs> everything was just... It was basically, like, telling me I was nothing. Yeah, yeah. And that was, like, a lot um, to hear at that moment. And, um... Oh, my partner is back. Hello, partner. Just... I'm thinking back to, like, the school and stuff. Like, yeah. my first degree really beat the crap out of me and, like, yeah. my desire to be creative. But, like was really all I knew, and I was like, I have no other interests that are, like, in line with going to school. Um, So I got that degree. And the photography helped. I took the photography, like, my first photography course in the Interactive Media, like, Associates. And I saw that, and I was just like, I've always loved photography. This I could vibe with. Right, right. (laughs) So I kind of was just kind of lost and trying to feel my way through, like, figuring out something that would work and ultimately serve me in a way that could maybe make me money because right. um because i was always we live in you know, a capitalistic society so yeah i know i mean i did i don't think it helped that my parents i think had the best intentions but we're always like oh you're really good at this you could make money off of this someday and it kind of stuck oh, so yeah. now i can't find joy in anything if i don't think i can commodify it and if i don't do well commodifying it then i hate it so that's gonna be a good five years worth of therapy right there yeah mine um mine was more like well that's interesting but what are you gonna do oh so that's a mood too yeah so like so um yeah like cute but and so (laughs) anyway i think like i kind of really got into the meat of it like with my first photo program like 
it was a lot more um the associates was a lot more on the technical side of like you know you got to figure out how to do your exposure and everything else and like how to make a decent photo before you really talk massively about theory and like curatorial practice so that was more like toward the end of that program we were making some like smaller projects and then when i got into the bachelors it was really heavy into like theory and i um i love art galleries don't get me wrong i think they can be a really Mm. fun place to go to but um god did i not vibe with the people (laughs) that were like interested in made I mean, like to be fair, they're not made for for creatives. They're made for uh, a different class of people. <laughs> oh, yeah, the rich, like you know, hoity-toity, like group subset of people, if you will, that would rather right. like just see a pretty picture and not really think too hard about it. I guess. Um, but I found that like it was just the bachelors. It was so lonely because I was like figuring out myself and like there were a couple people that I vibed with but like it was just really it was great in the sense that I figured out what I didn't want to do right right right, um, right. still valuable but, but like kind of awful in the sense that like by that point my disability stuff was getting kind of out of hand and my rheumatologist kind of like after I got diagnosed with fibro and I didn't respond to the regular treatments who kind of threw up her hands and was like, oh, well, marijuana is legal in Florida for medical. Go do that about it. When I was trying to work like three jobs and go to school full time and I'm like, well, that's not a good solution, but I'm in agony. Right. So and it was a good solution in the sense that I was able to function long enough to like almost finish, I guess. Yeah. But um, like the curatorial process in general, just like spending so much time, like what makes a good photo, like what makes a good this or that, like thinking about like composition and craft i feel like it's pretty transferable to like the poetry side of things too but um how so i mean it's kind of weird in the sense that like i've always been kind of able to visualize like the shape and color and feel of a poem right long before i actually start to like write it and i think that's like the autism again (laughs) i can relate i can relate actually uh it's like yeah it's like, what, what does the inspiration come from? Like, oh, a weird, like, visual cue in my head that looks like yep. a hot mess to you, but makes total sense to me. Like, um, yes, yes. And then, like, constantly having the feeling of talking and critique being like, there's a million things I could say, but some people would take it as inflammatory because I was very, you know, angry and liberal. <laughs> and um you know those spaces aren't always entirely open to um calling out practices that are not necessarily um kind or healthy or totally disregard any other marginalized identity yeah and um a lot of the students were um very privileged in their lives and um kind of viewed art from a very cis het like yeah you know mommy and daddy are fine financially and so am i lens and i never felt like i could really say what i actually wanted to say around the kids not the kids but like you know well i mean yeah and then there's a lot that i'd be able to say to my professors behind closed doors but like you know when it feels like you're so such 
like when it feels like you're such a polarizing like experience just by existing like mm. it's not conducive to really enjoying like an academic program i don't yeah. think yeah and you yeah. know it's not surprising like the program was in daytona beach florida like <laughs> what are you expecting from there like my professors some of them were absolutely amazing like informed my practice like significantly but it was more so just the demographic of students was like very much like well, we're not queer we're not disabled we have literally nothing to talk about mm-hmm. like and it was very small like maybe 10 to 15 kids in like the class i keep saying kids because it feels well, like it's so long ago eh, kids it was a kid too technically um, <laughs> but it kind of like studying that like curatorial process like it helps I think in the sense that like I'm a very visual person so it kind of helps me like visualize like even in writing like craft and composition and I can kind of make a picture in my head but I also feel like transitioning from that to creative writing and then like being in like remote like online workshops where I was basically told at so many points oh you need to make your work because, you know, of course, there's student critiques, which are so useful um, <laughs> at the undergrad level. So fucking useful. Um, basically being told, this is nice, but it's totally unrelatable. So I think you should change it. AKA, make it less disabled, make it less trans, make yeah. it more relatable to me, me, me. And it's like, I wasn't writing for you to begin with, little miss. <laughs> Chill. You can write your poems about your boyfriend, and I can write my poems about my trans ass, and it's fine. Like, we can enjoy writing about different topics. It's okay. You won't melt by reading it. I swear, you won't. You won't. You won't trans your gender. It's okay. You won't catch it just from reading my poetry. I mean, you, you might. You might figure something out about yourself, darling, but you're not going to catch it. Oh my gosh! I just <laughs> even in like. I took a script writing class on like a whim because I needed the uh, hours and just even Ooh, there I it's, that's cool that was interesting and I think it at least helped me like figure out how to like beginning middle and end which is yeah, something I yeah, still yeah. struggle in my work like I have something I might want to share but like you can see like it's newer so like it's the beginning middle and end is kind of like bleh. the most I, thing I have a I hard time believing about, I have a hard time believing it's eh. that would be cool if I don't have unreasonably high standards for myself then am i truly living holy fuck get out of my head no i'll be in your head all night oh maybe long in the morning who knows oh hello (laughs) but um (laughs) i honestly think and on one hand like god did i love being in college and like i'm happy to be back in some ways but on the other i'm just like this is so soul sucking. Why do I keep coming back? So it's like I know I'm into sadomasochism because like I'm coming back to like academia. <laughs> we were just talking about that in in the Discord too. Like, um, we have this area where we where we just will throw up whatever we're working and like, hey, this is what we're working. I'm poking at today, but like just just whatever it is, and it's not necessarily for critique or anything. You're welcome to. It's a welcome space for all that but you know this is just this is what i'm working on and um and i was just going over this the first stanza like (sighs) so many times (laughs) 
<laughs> and I'm like, poetry is fun. And uh, my friend Jamie, she's like, it's the best. We're having like sadomasochists, every single poet. Like that's, we're all masochists, every single one of us. Because this is what we if chose to do. We enjoy it. And see, that's the thing, though. We enjoy this pain of going over the one or two words because it changes the whole fucking meaning of the thing. And it's painful. And is this the truest way to make it? Anyway. Yeah. It's a good if time. It's, if you don't have a pen in the other and, like, you're not beating your ass with, like, the other hand, then, like, is it truly poetry? <laughs> 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 if you don't have a writing crop, is it poetry? If I'm not calling myself daddy, is it poetry? <laughs> I just... A part of me is like, yay, college, and now I'm just like back and I'm just like, God, do I want to defer next semester? <laughs> like, because now I don't have the time to work on the creative stuff so much anymore, and I'm just like... The degree is worth it in the sense that I'm so close to finishing <laughs> that I at least want the damn thing because it's yeah. taken me so long to get my disabled ass to the point where I could graduate. But on the other hand, I'm just like, I feel like I'm wasting my good years <laughs> when I could be out there creating and like doing more things like generatively speaking, that's not just yeah, writing no, papers yeah. that I don't really care about. Yeah. Yeah, my... Uh, the schooling man like i wanted to do the schooling bit and uh but that's just it's not uh in the cards for me so it's all self-taught from from here on out uh which is par for the course sometimes you just don't want to do the school and that's okay um it's it's more about adequate support um one of the coolest things about um not having a big structure um, or like a, a set sort of, um, you know, beginning, middle and end to it is that every uh, creative that comes on um, ends up having their own sort of storyline and theme. And it is so fucking cool to listen to it back over again and hear the poet's own story. It's so cool. You find out so much about them. I feel like that's a little threatening. What do you know? <laughs> I'm just kidding. You'll I mean, find out yeah, when I publish. <laughs> I mean, like, for fun, ask me the most out-of-pocket thing you can think of. Oh, shit. Uh, no, see? See? Man, now you're getting really I gotta put you to work. All right, fuck. Out-of-pocket. Like, okay, wait. How out-of-pocket are you talking? Like... I mean, I don't really have many hard limits when it comes to people asking me about my personal or creative life, so... All right. Um, well, this isn't really, like, a, a, a burn podcast, but, um... What style of poetry then um, just doesn't work for you? Like beyond the older stuff, like that has the you know, really hard, like rhyme sort of schemes, but like modern poetry, what modern poetry do you uh, just, that just turns you mm, off? I, I kind of like love to hop like genres, so to speak, because I yeah. find a little bit of everything that I like, kind of like music. Yeah. Like, if it's like, what's your favorite genre? Like, I can't place it because my brain will link up with like one song and listen to it a thousand times before I put it down. Oh, I think it again, again loops back to like heavy rhyme or like very like cutesy. Mm. Um, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, just yeah. sometimes I'm in the mood for softness and I go to like moist for that or like other queer like tender like queer tender poetry I love, but right. just. 
if it's from a very Sith het lens that has had no like real tribulations to ever challenge them or trials, yeah. then I just it doesn't really hold me for very yeah. long. And I don't really feel bad about it per se because I was exposed to so much like cishet work all the time that now I feel like not that I'm playing catch up so to speak, but I just I'm so hungry for like queer trans disabled work that I'm just like I get frustrated. Yeah. Because I don't know, I feel like in academics and everything else, you're kind of inundated with the same things over and over. Right. Um so if I find a lot of stuff that just feels like this feels like I'm working in school and not enjoying mm. a poem. Which I guess isn't like a very like concise answer. No, but it's, it's more no, of a, but I it's I get it. I get it. I get it, it though. I get the vibes that you're talking about. The thing with me is like I don't need like the craft to be perfect, like if I'm reading like another student's work, like you know, a student like mine, like I don't need the craft to be perfect, but like if I don't feel anything if you can't make me like synthesize like something in my brain or I can't feel something in my chest, then I can't, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. Like I want to feel something. I go to poetry because I struggle to feel emotions and like poetry makes me feel. That's if it's not, it's self-serving in a way, but like, so is indulging any creative concept. I think. Yeah. Um, That's something that I want specifically um, from an autistic standpoint, um, how do you approach like emotion in poetry? Because you know, feeling it and understanding it, like, um, and, and being able to give it a name, like that's that's a whole work, like unto itself. So, like, how do you approach that in in writing and and reading it? I feel like I've spent so much of my life, like finding a deep interest in like medical like psychology and like physiology as like a special interest as a mode of survival that it's easier for me to place motions motions emotions in writing because i've taken you know my entire life studying writing of other forms and like trying to study people so i could blend in better and like mask and be seen and treated like i was also a person um yeah so I don't really necessarily have a hard time like placing what emotion I'm feeling when I'm writing something. And I don't have a lot of trouble understanding for the most part when someone is writing what place they're coming from. Yeah. Mostly because I feel like writing in every form like has a pattern. There's patterns in everything and human behavior. So yeah. I think it's harder if I don't really know the context of the person. Like if I don't know the person well or know anything about their past, it's a little bit harder. But right if someone shows me their writing and I already know them and I'm like, you know, contextually, I know that they're talking about this. And like, I already know that this makes them feel a certain way. So I can hazard a guess that like, this is, you know, linking up with this one other thing. Right. If that makes sense. I don't know. No, it totally does. It totally does. Yeah, it totally does. Like I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I have a very, very similar experience with, uh, with my own, my own writing and my own approach, uh, and handling the, the particular challenges of the tism. So, yeah. No, I get it. I get it. I get it. There are a few different ways of approaching poetry that's that's interesting. And it's... it's You have your, like, hyper-personal poetry, right? So, um, you say even the more modern 
poetry, free form, etc. And then you have the ones that are that it's in it's more academic, where it's geared toward something that is uh, quote unquote universal. Um, and of course, we all know universal doesn't include <laughs> people like us per se. Um, but mm, I'm struggling to find a way to like say this good what which one do you find that affects you more like the more that more hyper personal type or the ones that are supposed to be um universal and without the like personal details or say even like um you know uh, like therapy on the page or something like that i i feel like where i've always struggled to like really connect with people reading poetry for me and like the hyper personal feels like a way to connect without ever really needing to like meat so to speak yeah like i can get a piece of someone's life on the page and feel something and be like wow that's a connection even if it's entirely just on my end and so like the academic more cerebral like it has to say something really profound for me to give a shit and something that resonates (laughs) with me which like i don't often find i think one of the only like older poems i really liked was um by sir thomas wyatt Ooh. And the irony is I don't even know how to pronounce the title anymore. He basically pined after a say, woman. Say it wrong speak. and I'll put it in the notes and it'll, you know, that's good. No worries. Uh, Whoso least to hunt, I know where is in hind. Um, I just found this one particular line um, really eye-catching as someone that's into kink and like collaring and like, you know, I'm technically collared and like, so is my submissive. But just the line um, or like the lines in the poem, it's a very short poem, but like Engraven with diamonds and letters plain, there is written her fair neck round about. For Caesar's I am, and wild for to hold, though I seem tame. Ooh, yeah. And like, as someone that's really kinky, like, that resonated with me, even yeah. though it's not really the cultural context back in the time. Right. Um, but like, something like that, I could, I can harken back to like kink or like, I can just be like, ooh, this is a little naughty. <laughs> like, <laughs> sometimes I enjoy seeing that in older works, like, especially like older, older works, like English Renaissance poetry and prose. Like, oh, but was like, that, you- or was it a poem? I have the worst memory. <laughs> but, no worries. Um, like, the For Caesars I Am thing just really stuck in my head, like, yeah. a nail. And I got, I really enjoyed that for a bit, but I always, you know, the, the hyper-personal is my home because, um, you know, growing up closeted and having to basically live the double life of, like, the online right. people I know are actually my friends right. and my found family and my parents just basically, like, being like, your online friends aren't your real friends. Uh, Go outside. Like... It's not the same culture just, anymore. It's just, it's, it's it, not, it's not the same environment it was. I mean, they don't so much argue about it now. Like, that's how I met my current partner and I owe my partner uh, my life, quite literally. Um, They helped pull me out of that really dangerous situation and I wouldn't be alive if it weren't for them. So my parents are, of course, very nice to magic. Yeah. (laughs) But, um... Everybody should be nice to magic. Everybody should be nice to magic. But I just kind of living that double life where I was closeted socially, like, in person for so long. Like, one of my first, like, forays into, like, queer culture offline was going to drag shows Uh... and photographing them for, like, the little, like, a little project in, like, my bachelor's that I burnt out of. Mm. But getting to meet, like, so many, like, queens that were just very much happy to be themselves and, you know, the glitz and the glam was very 
attractive to me at the time because it was fun to watch people that could be themselves. Right. Um, I still have some like photos of them on my Instagram. Ooh. And it's kind of weird to think about because like I found out recently a couple of my favorite queens had like passed no. away and they were like my age. Whatever it may be, like ah, that's fucking so many of us are so many of us are dying and I'm just like I didn't even know these people well, but like I have these photos of them that will just exist forever in my hard drives and they're already gone. And like God, there's that's... no family to give the there's no family to give the photos to oh, and like the people shit. that I offered didn't want them. So I'm just like it feels a disservice to delete them because these people existed and were real. Yeah, no, I, I, fuck, yeah, it's so they're just there, and I don't know what to do with them. Like, is it ethical to even post them now that they're gone? Yes, yes, like, I, I just, I, I think so. they weren't afraid of who they were, and and if no, if I mean, it's your honor to have those pictures. I think it's an honor to have them on your page to to have them exist still somewhere they deserve to be remembered i just it's so weird how deeply it hurts just like realizing that the people in your community are like dying or gone especially when you've been away for so long like yeah and you know i'll probably i don't think i'll ever be able to get back to florida with how things are now <laughs> and just just thinking about like my mother who is like disabled on immunosuppressants too like my father i have friends that are older that like one who is like a grandmother to me has alzheimer's so by the time i get to see her i may never have her look at me and see me yeah and so like i feel like that informs my work a lot too of just yeah as much as i enjoy queer tenderness like the hyper personal like life is a punch in the fucking face and if i don't have a poem with punch to it then it's just water yes yes and like, I... water can be soothing but like i don't necessarily crave water all that often you know <laughs> yeah I, I i feel similarly like i need um there's this one poem that i wrote out of frustration right there's a, a preference for like really peaceful type poetry yeah and um and i i think it's beautiful but it's just it's not the kind of poetry that i gravitate toward usually and it's not generally also the kind of poetry that i write and um it and i feel kind of um on the outside (laughs) of of that sometimes and um there's this one that i wrote something like um you know give me like poetry like teratoma you know i i want something with you know like teeth and hair and you know give me something give me something that i can fucking feel you know i mean of course, I that's could, my own I limitations of like my experience but you know yeah i could give you some of the work i turned into like the grad program director that he liked please do and like all please of those do. poems are just a punch in the fucking gut because that's the only thing i felt confident enough to say please do send it to me send it to me like send me i was talking about just talking about like grief and stuff like pinged my brain back to like i've been working on a tight like trying to find a title for like the collection i'm working on for ages and i think i finally figured it out in this podcast Uh, awesome a vague concept so i'm excited we're here awesome i love that which is funny because that's part of the title it's uh dead dying gone but we're still here Uh Because I wanted to kind of release something, not even, like, charging for it, but just out into the world that deals with, like, 
coming into yourself as like well myself as like a writer and like grief and like how do you deal with grief when it never goes away because uh-huh. there's always someone you know or someone that like knows someone that's dying in this community or knows someone that's on their way out or might right. be gone eventually because they're you know immunocompromised or disabled or in a dangerous unsafe situation like or they were it, walking home they were yeah walking home not minding their own fucking business like yep i even remember back with my ex like i was really interested in this photographer covering our wedding and then i re- tried to reach out months later to find that he had been murdered holy shit i it's just it's so bad the amount of like violence this community faces i just a part of me would love to be able to say like i can write about only happy things now but i i don't think i'll ever escape writing about grief because grief is the same as blood to me like i yeah. you can't exist without it i just yeah. there is um there's this like quote that i think i think it's attributed i think it's ethan hawk but like you know i'm probably wrong but they're given some sort of um interview where he's talking about like you know most people most people don't talk don't even think about poetry um until something happens to them um they have a funeral to go to or something you know something big something affects them in their life and then they turn to poetry in order to be able to process that and um that's very badly paraphrased y'all so don't come for me but um I've, that's that's interesting and just talking about it now kind of puts it into a different perspective for me um, that it's whatever poetry we feel compelled to create whatever we whatever in general we feel compelled to create um, I mean we, we've said it before but it has value it's there um, and it will reach who it needs to reach when it needs to reach it which just sounds kind of woo woo and and you know, amorphous. But you know, but true, woo-woo. Though. yeah. I mean, yeah. I agree. I'm, <laughs> I'm a card carrying woo woo. But it's, uh, yeah. Speaking on the topic, I wanted to just share you with you this like one poem that I've been like yes, tinkering please. with for like six months. Um, yes, please. I I wrote it in the hospital, um, sure. and it was kind of inspired by that say. And um, a little bit of the historical stuff is a bit dated now because it's been so long. But, like, I think it still has value for its time. Yeah. If you want me to read it, like, I know Always. you said I could, like, share. Okay. Always. Always. I, I, Whatever you want to share, I, share. Please. I don't think I've orated something since my feral unhinged TikToks or the Frost Place. So I'm not going to sound the best, but. You're good. You're good. You're good. So it's titled, In the Light I Echo I Am Afraid. And I might get a little emotional because this is like a really emotional topic for me. They is a gender neutral third person pronoun that in this case refers to one, family, two, doctors, three, politicians, four, a stranger that assumes too much and knows too little. (laughs) We are afraid for your safety, they say. Thing is, I'm afraid of holding back this mouth of mine. Thing is, I'm not afraid Mm. of dying loudly anymore. Sometimes Mm. people do not get better. Transgender homosexual anomaly by archaic standards of practice revised by the American Psychiatric Association in 2012. All statewide bans on marriage struck down by the Supreme Court in 2015 revised by the World Health Organization in 2019. Sometimes people never needed to get better. Mm. I want to say that and more, but instead I stuck on my own teeth. They still taste of tobacco and an empty promise that I'd never take up the mantle of self-medication. 
that has plagued my family for generations. I am unwell, they think, mentally, physically, spiritually. I am unwell, I echo. Call me Icarus. And I suppose, according to them, I should be afraid. I wonder if they were afraid for the millions of fags that died while their own mothers left them alone, dead, or dying. I, too, am afraid of dying quietly, death rattle only shared with the flickering hospital lights, and dead fly on the floor, legs curled inward like a lotus about to bloom. I ask myself quietly, eyes on the fly, are we going to the same place, too? The fly cannot answer, and this time I don't want it to. Bowing my head, I pray to the gods that these questions burn hot enough to keep this broken body going. Oh, damn. Yeah. Damn, I love so that. <laughs> Ooh. I don't know if I'm done with it, but like, that's yeah. what I got. Oh, I love it. 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 I almost took the uh, slur out and my partner was just like, it loses the effect if you do. What's wrong with you? And I'm like, keep it in, you know, keep it in the internalized, the internalized transphobia of like, I feel like I don't present mask enough so I can't say it, even though I'm called it all the time. And like, I'm very masked and like a Killian and like, hey, it's the internalized transphobia that like keeps me from like trying to throw that poem out in the world. And maybe I should just. Well, I've released it, technically speaking. Ta-da! There's no going back now. <laughs> but, um, it's out there. My my uh, my my nine to fifteen um, listeners will be delighted with their first hearing. I'm, no, I hope so. They will. It was so good. It was so good. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, no problem. I just, uh, but that's kind of where my writing is at right now. I have yeah. like maybe one other thing I could share that's a little lighter, but. That's kind of where light, I'm at. Light, not light, you know. It's all good. Oh. I just... That's kind of where my brain is at with my poetry, is, like, processing yeah. that grief and, like... It's a, it's effort trying to process the world every single day. There's always a new horrible thing happening within so many of the communities I'm a part of. There's always bad news. There's always worse news. There's always yeah. news that's going to get people killed and is killing people. Right, And I know that's how it's always has been, but it feels like it's reached such a critical point. You know, sometimes I wonder, I mean, I think, I think a good portion of it is that, I mean, this level of violence, this level of trauma has always existed. I think now with as many opportunities as we all have now to to access the the the, the wider fucking community um, that is the world through social media is we actually have the chance um, it's it's out there more because it's being documented more it's yeah um, I think there's it's almost it's more and less honest at the same time like I'm, yeah. I have feelings and thoughts and like, I feel like social media is amazing in the sense that like, it's connected me to so many people and it's kept me alive. But I don't know, the commodification of so many people's like griefs and sufferings or like, you know, the um, opposing hand of people using grief and suffering to commodify and benefit themselves is like constantly a thing. 
I've been thinking about this recently too. Um, all right. So how, uh, is there anything else that you would like to share? My brain is like dying. I, what about the new poem? Like there's the new, the, poem. the happier one that you were the maybe the, that you were maybe thinking about sharing. Yeah. Let me pull it up. All right. It's the love poem that involves my partner who's like sitting in the back. So they'll have to deal with being, um, they'll have to deal with being like <laughs> waxed poetica. I don't think they'll mind. They just gave me a look and just like smiled like goofily. Good. Let's see. WCU <laughs> grad school application poems. <laughs> uh, let's see. Boop, boop, boop. Where did you go? I am so blind. That was a fun one. Um, well, I can't find that one, but I can find Blood Rit, which is um, very kinky. Um, oh, well, give me kinky shit. Um, it refers to um, a police officer. Um, for cultural context of my own life, um, it's kind of a jab about my ex's father, who was a cop. Um, Ooh. Jab away. So if you want that, jab away. Yeah. You want that layer and undertone. Um, it's, it's not like they'll ever hear or see this because they don't, they're Mormon. That's fine. They won't ever look at weird <laughs> stuff willingly. Um, I doubt they'll stumble upon this, uh, this tiny, mighty podcast. This, this poem may sit in the, uh, podcast and nowhere else because I feel like it's a bit much, but it's, it's kinky and it's there. I'm honored. I'm honored to have it. Thank um, you. So, Rit, one's power to enforce compliance or submission, one's authority. Tell me, officer, is the use of force excessive if we are bound by blood and it's consensual? Tell me, officer, is it a Madonna whore complex if I can't get aroused by men like you, <sighs> who do the minimum to scrape by and wonder why I dislike inviting pigs to my last supper? <laughs> Should I be sorry? Should I be sorry? <laughs> the barrel of my lover's gun is never empty. The mark oh, that shit. the owner is now owned is still fresh. Should I be sorry, officer? <sighs> if it's too much, the patio is where we smoke. Cigar ash on your lips, it might calm you. Don't forget yourself. The persona is not your reality. <gasps> Don't forget yourself. The sweet tea waiting is for your comfort. Oh, the sweet tea. I am not sorry. I am not sorry. Through the scent of burning flesh and pine, I found multitudes in flesh that is now theirs. Bird song, blood promised, debased, lovingly, longingly. I am the earth that of which the stars tread. Oh my god. You good? Uh, it's no. a bit much. No. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Stop. You'll give me 1% of having an actual ego. <laughs> then I need to go harder. No. Fuck. That was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. <sighs> Thank you. I just, I get so nervous sharing my writing. I do too. I don't think I I'll do ever too. grow out of it. I think, I think like, that's kind of good though. I don't think we should grow out. If we grow out of the nervousness of sharing what we've done um maybe we're not vulnerable enough in what we're sharing i think i think poetry needs to have the fear somewhat attached to it um it has to be close to the bone i feel like in a way like 
my poetry has grown up a little bit because like I published yeah. Exit Wounds and that was like my first like thing that I created and was like truly proud of but like I think there's definitely a shift in the way I write it's a lot more direct right and I feel like the first, like the poem I published was like more so a question Mm. And like I can, I could read it if like yeah. you wanted kind of the contrast of like I would little baby twenty nineteen me versus now. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, this one is a lot shorter. Um, it's titled Exit Wounds. Um, man or woman? The question makes my body feel like there are exit wounds pouring out eker from my gilded veins. Man or woman? These wounds are perfectly circular. The only thing missing are the bullets. Man or woman? But every time I'm silent, another small part of me dies. First my uterus, then stomach, then heart. Some of these parts I cannot live without. If Dionysus could live first as a woman and then as a man, why can't I? Unless you are willing to replace these organ parts. Unless you are willing to swallow the truth whole. It's best you keep your pretty little questions to yourself. Man or woman, why does it fucking matter to you? Medusa turns those that look at her to stone. I want that too. Yes. But um, I feel like I've grown up in the sense that like I don't feel the need to add questions to my work. I don't need to feel like it's a, like a question. It is what it is, you know. That's really interesting. That's cool. How you've gone from inquiring to declarative. I think a lot of it has to do with now that I'm out like fully socially. I'm medically transitioning. Not that you need to medically transition to be valid by any means. Um, You know, I am what I am. And at this point, like there's parts of me I want to change because healing is a good thing. But I don't want to um, neuter my personality, so to speak. Right. Or my writing to appease people that would never be appeased because they hate me on pure principle anyway. Right. So right. I feel like that part of my life was very um, people pleasing in the sense that I wanted to like water down my writing and I wanted to water down my personality and myself and like mm. my style because I just I've always had this deep ingrained desire to be accepted and like to be loved. Right. But right. as I grew older, like, you know, you come to find that like people pleasing is a red flag and <laughs> you won't ever be loved if you don't genuinely if you don't figure out who you are and that's kind of been the crux of the situation from like through college to now is it's taken me so long to figure out you know what what do I want as a person not like what do I what can I do that would like sort of appease me but like make other people happy what do I want my writing to be for me not necessarily the reader right because I write I want I like some I'll write poems for my partner sometimes or maybe for a friend but I want my poetry to be for myself and I figure you know if I ever do post it hopefully someone maybe sees it and resonates with it and that's wonderful and that's good but it doesn't have to be for everyone else it right. can just be something I've created and it exists and it doesn't have to go beyond that unless I want it to That's incredibly wise Sometimes I can be. I just think it's a lot of it is just I've always felt guilty taking up any sort of space whatsoever because (laughs) I've always had to mask so heavily. And of course, I fail constantly. I fail because I can never keep up with the neurotypical cishet mindset. 
Right. And like, and nor should the you. Perfectionism, but yeah. The perfectionism that like gets like not bred into you, but like I guess like hammered. Brainwashed. Into you. Like it's it. Yeah. 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 I just. It takes. It, it. It took me so long to figure out that trying to please like whether it be my family, my ex, anyone else, um, made me more miserable and honestly made me insufferable to be around. <laughs> I get and, that. Um, I get that. It's so hard try, to be. It's so. It is absolutely impossible to reach a place of of truth when you're stuck in 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 that frame. It's yeah. It's it's terrifying, and then kind of trying yeah. to come out of that box and just be like, well, you know, being undiagnosed, like autistic ADHD, dealing with mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, and very light terms like having a long history of like assault and things like that and mm-hmm. like everything kind of condensing into like this dissociative disorder that fragments you even more yeah and like the C- yeah. PTSD and everything else and then suddenly you're in your late 20s um homeless trying to navigate a divorce and the only reason I'm really alive is because of like my partner just being like no we're getting you the fuck out of there I'm paying for in a hotel you're leaving today um good and i owe them my life because i was really sick at the time like physically and i didn't even like i was so out of it i didn't even realize i was just so lost i guess yeah and i don't know i think that's part of the reason why i say like when i'm at my worst i'm the most creative because i was writing so much as an outlet right there's a lot of poems that won't ever see the light of day just because i was just screaming for help in the way that i could because writing was always the way i screamed for help and most people never got it you know do you ever go back over that old shit? Do you ever go I back do. over I do. I was. I have everything saved from like I think like in the mid like 2010s to like 15s. Like I have my old high school essays. I held on to it because I was like maybe maybe I hate it, but like maybe someday I'll look at it and be like, hey, it's not half bad for a kid. <laughs> um. And, you know, I look at some of my writing back then, and a lot of the themes are the same, like trauma. It's just a lot more, like, I guess, edgy teenager mm. stuff. When I kind of look back, and I'm just like, God, I was really struggling. I really wasn't okay. <laughs> and I showed these poems to so many adults that just, like, <clears throat> like right yeah. over their little heads. Yeah. It's like, and I'm literally writing a poem about, like, you know, trigger warning, like, suicide. Right. Or, like, self-harm. On like in a body horror like sense, yeah, and yeah. um, just like whoop over their heads or woo your attention seeking. Attention seeking. Just like, I oh, I I have a bone to pick with that phrase. Attention. So do I. Seeking. If mm, you know what people need attention, I'm just saying, and and to dismiss something of someone saying that they need help something frivolous as needing attention when needing attention is a basic fucking human need it is i just it's it's in human nature like whatever kind of human you may be to want to connect and like yes feel community like regardless i think of like where you're at psychiatrically like yes it's 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 in human nature to want to have connections and like to want to like be known yeah and like i think it's like another thing that i kind of harken back to, to be is witnessed, like you know like <laughs> when i was 
in Georgia, what really woke me up was like shortly after I left, like they they were in their first semester of undergrad. They managed to pull a 4.0 and I'm so fucking proud of them. Um, I really wasn't okay when I was um, living out of that motel. And um, yeah. let's just say I almost wasn't here yeah. um, anymore. And um, they were just like, fuck it, I'm flying down. And I'm like, what? And they spent a good portion of their student loans flying from Chicago to Georgia. Holy shit. They managed to keep up with their undergrad and everything, or their grad school, and um, help keep my ass from dying, I guess. And they were already, like, I, they were already had their consideration caller. Like, we were already a thing. Like, right. the irony is my ex pushed really hard, like, we should be poly because I want to be sexual and you're not in a place to do that right now. And then I was the one that ended up with someone who is totally irreplaceable and wonderful. And I, I could say a thousand positive things. Well, um, fuck that ex and bless magic. Yeah, that's how I feel, kind of very much still the uh, I hope that person heals but far away from me because we were yep. not good for each other in the end yeah but um what really woke me and- up is being told by my cardiologist that like if you don't get out of that house and uh stop masking and like don't actually address your health you're gonna be dead before 35 whether you like it or not well that's a wake up call shit Son it was bitch. and I had multiple doctors tell me similar things and that I needed to get out and then they were there too my boy and it kind of like after that like you know attempt and like kind of seeing the light of day and like going out and like not coming home to a motel where I wasn't terrified even I was just like you know this isn't optimal um (laughs) this isn't optimal but like it's not terrifying and I can see light and I can find joy in being with my boy and right even going to like doctor's appointments or grocery shopping suddenly was just like this this is not so bad it's not so yeah. overwhelming and i just kind of realized like all this time it's not that i ever wanted to die i just wanted like you wanted the shit to stop wanted the bad I shit just wanted, to stop yeah yeah and then you wanted the situation now, to end yep 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 like swinging back and forth with my mental health because i'm so medication resistant i'm still just like it's never like wanting to die anymore because it's like god i desperately want to live and create and like love and that's incredible it's it's weird to be able to say that and just be like i genuinely do want to live and create like maybe i won't ever be able to love the things i create but i can try to enjoy the ride yeah oh that's fucking. which i know is kind of like a really really heavy point but like but you know what it so it's a heavy point and and i think i mean it's it's just as important and 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 I, not to not to discount anything that or or the role that magic played but i want to also um say that you know you deserve a lot of that credit for sticking around and making it through and keep on trucking just you i mean you deserve that i appreciate too. that I, I it's know fucking I hard. It it's in, fucking in hard to keeping stay. myself alive. It's it fucking is, hard. It is to really stay. hard to stay. I think like creating and like being able to be around people, like you know, my boy or like you, it makes oh. it worth it. It makes you know the chronic illness and like every day is like 
90% of it is managing the pain and like the other 10% is like you know speed running everything I need to get done fucking right but like I can find these little moments of joy and like they feel so precious so it gets me through too oh my god I'm gonna be like crying right at like (laughs) (laughs) it's what gets me through too this show like I have to say like so often this show people coming on and like changes my whole mindset for the, for for the day and for uh, the next week or so it keeps me going you guys you coming on you keep me going <laughs> every every time we have a show every time i have a recording um it's it's the bright spot it not that things are like the worst ever but i mean it gets dark in my head and it's really i'm really really grateful it's 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 see i'm out of words again like (laughs) i think Ah. i've always been really attractive to like light and shadow and i think even you can find beauty in the shadows in life when there is light yeah i was oh i had this thought the other day that when um you realize that you are both the light the object and the shadow all at once Oof. Like when you realize you're casting the light for your own shadow, like that's a turning point. I think too, like even looking at you, like I know like the viewers cannot see like what we're doing, but like (laughs) when you smile, like there is light. I can see that life in your eyes. When you talk about these things, you light up so much and I can tell it means so much to you. So I'm really glad that you have that as a person because you're very kind and you're very fun to talk to. (laughs) Don't make me cry on my own show. <laughs> I'll make you cry. I'll say nice things about you. I won't. Well, I'll stop because consent is important, but like. <laughs> thank you, Ali. Thank you. Uh, you know what? Um, I'm going to be uh, try to continue with that kindness. And how do you feel about going towards the wrap up? Because I know we've reached about our 20 minute mark since you last said how you were feeling. <laughs> Yeah. I'm feeling a little better because heating pad and pain meds, but like, okay. if you always want me to like not shut up, I can come back at any point. I would love for you to come back as a guest. I absolutely love it. And I want to make sure hey. uh, I ask you, do you want to be included in the zine that I'm putting together of all the guests? Oh, I love that. That sounds so fun. Awesome. awesome. It's got to take, um, I'm going to do it like... Uh, it's kind of like a, a yearbook. So whatever you want to include, be it image, be it poem, whatever you feel good about including, uh, that will go in. And it's just going to be digital, um, a little digital zine that will just go out to, you know, the guests, basically. I love so, that. That's so cool. I'd be right, honored. Awesome. Yeah, it's fantastic. All right. Your deadline is like uh, December. So, <laughs> so that'll wow, get everybody. time. <laughs> yeah, you have plenty, plenty of time, time until I like ADHD procrastinate, and then I'm like, "Fuck, I have six hours." <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. You know where to reach me. <laughs> that is true. All right, call me, um, meet me. <laughs> yes, exactly. The blast uh, right. of the nostalgia past. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I cannot hear that sound without the theme song fucking playing in my oh, head. Oh, what a mood! <laughs> all right, Ale. Oh my God, thank you, thank you for coming on. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming back. Um, it's uh, it's a real joy. Thank you. And thank you for like having me and like listening and like I feel seen in a good way. So I hope <laughs> you do too. 
I do. Thank you. And you're welcome. I, the circle of gratitude's too much. All right. Okay. Um, <laughs> tell, tell everybody once more uh, where, where they can find you. So you can find me um, Twitter, uh, Instagram, my website. It's just oxbloodjunction.com, like oxblood the color and like junction is in crossroad, whatever. But um, it's all under the same banner. My website doesn't really have my writing on it yet, but like I'm working on it. I'm just disabled <laughs> and like website design is hell. <laughs> Give them a minute. <laughs> all right. It'll be in the notes, of course, as always, as I continue to say ad nauseum. All right, folks, I'll see you in about two weeks. And until then, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Keep well.